listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Almost 25 now. I'm going to have to amend that soon. Well... I hate to even stop and think how many years. It's been a while. Let's just say that. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa, on this... uh, valentine's day evening this is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener submitted emails i will read the questions and eric will try to answer them sorry i'm making you do a podcast on valentine's day well it's your fault i mean melissa says she doesn't celebrate valentine's day and insists on me not getting her anything yeah i don't i think it's a dumb holiday and Isn't she awesome? Can I tell Check you, out how awesome that is. But can I tell you the reason why? Yes. It's because I don't like buying gifts for people. Oh. <laughs> and so if you buy me something, then I am obligated to buy you something. I thought it was because you uh, you figured that it was like j- just the man. Like yeah, the, 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 the hallmark. The patriarchy or something. Came up with this and they, they, they're forcing you to participate right. in there patriarchal yeah right you're not like that the fred meyer jewelers (laughs) holiday (laughs) holiday of doom Uh, so this is how we celebrate valentine's day we do a podcast mostly because we um just haven't done it yet and it's due tomorrow that's correct because i told you all it'd be out on the 15th here it is the 14th Uh, yeah anyhow we got a lot of good questions we've got a a call. We've got uh, questions about what have we got? Questions about uh, guitar bridge pin holes. That's a good one. How to remove the finish on cheap Chinese guitars? Spoiler alert! It spoiler spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! It's not worth it. Um, more about roasting maple necks. Anyway, uh. I have a uh, I have a correction of sorts. Oh. Yeah. I've been telling you guys for a long time that harmony necks don't fan out. As you go have up you? the Yeah, as you go up the neck, you know, on electric right. guitar or electric harmonies in particular. Okay. Their acoustics fan out. Okay. But like harmony rockets and harmony bobcats they do fan out. I've been telling you that they don't get wider as the 
as you go up the neck. I only but remember, they do. I only remember you saying that once on the last Yeah, episode. I've said it a few times. Oh, okay. Anyway, go ahead. My point is they do fan oh, out, but just, just not very much. Not nearly as much as they should, and it's almost an optical illusion when you look at it. It just looks straight up and down, and when you play it, it feels funny because it doesn't fan out nearly as much as it should. But I got to thinking about that, and I actually measured one because I've got one in the shop right now. They do fan out, but just not as much as they should. Like by a in quarter my opinion. of an inch? By I don't know. Centimeter? I'll get back to you. Okay. I don't remember. Oh, sorry. I sorry, don't remember I, exactly. I'm just saying. Specifics. Yeah, what do you want? The specifics? Yeah. Um, anyhow, that's just a correction of sorts. It's, it's, it's the kind of thing that bothered me. You know, Melissa told me something the other day that, that stuck with me. She said that uh, I have this kind of this personality flaw where I, I over-explain things <laughs> and make people feel stupid. So now I feel like I'm doing that on every podcast. I'm so sorry I said that. Well, you know what, though? It's a pretty good quality to have uh, for a podcast like this where my job is to explain things. Right. I just don't want to overdo it to where I make people feel stupid. Right. No, that's bad. Yeah. Is that true? Do I? Am I really like that? Uh, I would say to people, to the uninitiated, yeah, they might. They might take it as you're treating them. What does that mean? Like, like, just, like I know you well enough to so know. So you're you're initiated. I'm initiated into. What is the, this a club? The fan club, the Eric Da fan club. Have you seen me do this to people? Uh, Obviously, yes. otherwise you wouldn't say it. <laughs> you just uh, to customers to to friends yeah, to, to people who you talk to to our sons. Uh, I don't know. Okay, it's just something I've noticed. To you? Uh, sometimes you do, but... Am I doing I, it right now? N- well, no, because you're not explaining anything. I'm trying <laughs> well, to explain to you, but third you, keep, degree. you keep interrupting me. So I'm making you feel stupid then. We've got a call. Shall we take it? Yes. All right. Hello. Um, this is Joe from Virginia. Got a couple questions, please. Um, first question is, uh, the one guitar from, I'll tell you about the 13th to the 17th fret on the third string, it buzzes. Now I think I have the neck pretty, uh, pretty well situated, but could that still be, uh, neck relief needed to be adjusted or is it more of a, and it only does it on that one, so is it more of the, uh, frets need to be fixed? Um, well, the question is, um, I called in before, or wrote in one of the two, and have a the other guitar that I couldn't get the intonation on the uh, low string suggested by checking the nut. And so I went to do that, and, you know, I'm a very novice, you know, guitar repairer, whatever you want to call it. So the nut ended up breaking, so I got a new nut. I took it off and, you know, filed the nut down some and uh, I'm having trouble getting it seated properly. Uh, Do you have any uh, tips on that as well? I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Joe, thanks for the call from Virginia. Joe from Virginia. 
on your first guitar, this is a this is a this is a troublesome call because it's hard for me to diagnose your specific repair problems without seeing your guitar. I can give you kind of some gen- general pointers, but you may be to the point that you need to get somebody's eyes on that guitar who can tell you more about it because, you know, not looking at it in person, <clears throat> I just don't know. Um, but on your first guitar, the G string, the third string is buzzing uh, from about the 12th fret up. I don't know. It it could be a lot of things, Joe. It, it really could. It could be a bad string. That's the most simple thing that comes to my mind. So um, that's the easiest, you know, swap out that one string and see if that fixes it. It could be fret inconsistencies. It could be some high frets. If you get a little straight edge, you can uh, put your straight edge on, on those frets there and see if the... Uh, and it doesn't have to be fancy. Take out your driver's license or your library card or something and put it on those frets and see if it rocks back and forth on any frets. It, like going between the frets, you mean? No, like, you know, perpendicular to the string. Perpendicular to the string. Okay, like along the same path of the string. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So in between the G and B string. So you want to rest it on a total of three frets, though, right? Yeah, or more. Or more? Three or more frets. Okay. And then if it rocks back and forth, like if it gets high-centered on one fret, that's a high fret. Ah. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say. It could be an issue with neck relief. It could be an issue with the string. It could be an issue with the frets. It could be a number of things. I I really don't know, and it's hard for me to say. So um, I I wish I had a magic bullet for you on that one. Your other guitar, kind of the same deal. I don't know. You say you're having trouble getting the nut seated. I'm not 100% sure what you mean. Are you having trouble getting the nut set into the nut slot? Or are you having trouble getting the string set into the nut? So I don't know really what to tell you on that one. I can tell you that um, installing a new nut uh, is is a challenge. I mean, it's it takes a lot of practice and a lot of special tools to really get it right. Um, so I hope, you know, I mean, I really want people to listen to the show and become more confident in uh, DIY simple repairs, but uh, I don't know. You might be in over your head on that one. I don't know. I just don't know. if Is there a gap under the nut? Like you're trying to get the nut seated and, and it's not sitting in the slot, right? You really have to get the slot cleaned out and you have to get it square. And then the nut has to fit exactly in your slot just like two puzzle pieces fitting together. And then to uh, get this to get the string to lay in the nut slots right takes special tools, you know. You you want there's nut files a file for each string so that you get the the widths and the depths right on each string. Right. Why did you call this podcast the fret files and not the nut files? I think for obvious reasons. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Uh 
anyway, did we did we cover? Yeah, I did. I did the best I could, Joe. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm I, I'm not helping you much here, <laughs> but uh, uh, hopefully it gives you something to go on. Thanks so much for the call. We've got a lot of letters here. Shall we read them? Let's do it. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Love the podcast. Eric, you mentioned that you pay attention to the tiniest details to make sure your pinup custom guitars are similar to the real deal vintage instruments. I remember in particular, you said you sanded the area around the jack to make it flat like a vintage telly. What is your opinion on the different headstock shapes in custom-built T-style guitars? Considering how detail-oriented you are, isn't it frustrating for you not being able to use the exact same headstock shape? Are you opening? Are you open to make making a custom build with a licensed neck, such as a Warmoth? I assume you cannot label it as a pinup custom due to legal issues. I guess. Am I correct? Cheers, Aaron from Turkey. Hi, Aaron. Thanks. Yeah, so Fender um, has a trademark basically on their headstock shape. So, no, I cannot use Fender's trademarked headstock shape. Right. Uh, and I don't want to try to s- skirt around it by using a licensed neck and not putting a decal on it or anything like that. I don't want to get one of those uh, letters from Fender Legal Department saying... Greetings, Mr. Daw. Cease and desist, sir. Yeah. So uh, it's not something that I'm willing to do. Does it bother me? Not really. You have your own headstock shape that you've kind of uh, owned in. I'm, in fact, I'm so used to my own headstock shape that sometimes telly headstocks look funny to me now. Hmm. Yeah. And my Strat headstock shape, I like it better than, than Fender's, so... Uh, you know, it, does it bother me? No. It, if it bothers a customer that's interested in one of my guitars, then, you know, sorry. Just buy a Fender. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Aaron. Hi, Eric and Melissa. It sounds like the move to Idaho is going great. I'm so pleased for you and your kids. Thank you. I have a guitar voodoo type comment for you. A while back, one of your listeners wrote in about the way guitarists who own several instruments find they get infatuated with one particular guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, you find yourself playing your favorite telly all the time and you don't pick up anything else for a while. I have a sort of opposite observation. If you leave a guitar in its case for months or even years, it goes into a big sulk when you eventually fetch it down from the attic or wherever it's been. It, even if you give it a good clean, oil the neck, put on new strings, polish everything, it'll sound and feel like crud for about two, three days, maybe a week. Then one day you pick it up and for no reason it feels great, sounds beautiful, and you fall in love all over again. Works on acoustics and electrics. Hmm. Your amp settings can be the same. Your mood stays even. The weather hasn't changed. It just seems like the guitar has forgiven you for all that neglect. I thought this was some supernatural phenomenon, but one of the Fretboard Journal podcasts had a roundtable of guitar builders discussing this very thing. (laughs) One of them said there had been some research into the way vibrations from the guitar could realign the moisture in the wood at some molecular molecular level. Wow. And this might explain why a long, unplayed guitar would start sounding better, or why brand new guitars have to be played in. 
doesn't explain why a solid-body electric would display the same behavior unless something similar happens to electrons, and this doesn't strike me as an Eric Daw-friendly theory. No. Anyway, what do you think? Am I going insane, or is there something in this? I'd love to hear from you and maybe some of your listeners. Who else owns a sulky guitar? Cheers, guys. All the best from Belfast in Ireland. Uh, I think you're nuts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to rename the uh, podcast The Nut Files. Um, I, I can see that happening on acoustic guitars. Absolutely. Uh, I can see it happening. Is it real or is it perceived? I don't know. On electric guitars, I don't know, not so much. Have I ever noticed it? I can't say that I have. Well, but I've never known you to put away a guitar for years at a time and not play There's it. guitars in that room over there that I haven't played for a long time. Oh. Yeah. Can, um, can I tell you the theory I formed about 10 seconds yeah. ago when I read this question? It's not the guitar itself. It's just that you have to get used to playing it again. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. you you play it and it doesn't play very well because your fingers aren't used to moving over the wood because it's shaped differently or I don't know. But then one day you're suddenly like back in tune with the guitar, but it's not the guitar, it's you. See, the way I think about it is it's a guitar you love, you haven't played it for a while, you get it out and you fall in love all over again instantly. That's what happens to me. It's like a food that you love that you haven't had forever. That first bite is just the best. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. This is it. Or the album that you, you know, listened to in high school that you haven't heard in 20 years, in my case, maybe longer. And uh, you say, wow. That happened to me recently. What what was the album? Uh, it was a song. Yeah, it don't was, embarrass yourself it now. It was Neil Diamond, Crunchy Granola Sweet. Really? Was, you were listening to that in high school? Uh, I don't know, but I hadn't heard it in a long time. I know Cat Stevens really chokes you up sometimes. Cat Stevens? Oh, wait. James Taylor is who you're thinking of. Yeah, they're all the same Cat Stevens hippie. and James Taylor are worlds apart, yeah. sir. I suppose um, anyway, that's just voodoo, Mr. Yeah, Ireland I mean, guy. I, I just, I just don't know. And I, he probably put his name on yeah. the, you know, when they, when people submit a question, their name goes up above in a slot for your name and then this wall of text for their thing. Right. And I don't always get their name in. And so, whose fault is that? Sorry. Though? It's mine. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Anyway, um. Our friend from Belfast, yeah. we, we salute you. So sorry. I don't know if it's, if that's real or not. I've never experienced it. And I don't know. It's not, sure, I suppose it's possible, especially on acoustic guitars. So that's my answer. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Eric. Or ma'am. Whatever the case may be. <laughs> Hi, Eric and Melissa. Eric, could you talk me through acoustic guitar bridge pinholes? Just starting to build a bridge at the moment and wondering if I need the super expensive five-degree hole reamer. <laughs> you okay? I just am laughing at the word hole reamer. Okay. Phrase. Uh, or if there's another way to do this. Uh, also, do the holes need slots or is this just for bridge pins without slots? 
last question are all the ho- all through are all the through holes the same diameter are all the through holes the same diameter are all the holes the same diameter yeah, yeah they are on an acoustic guitar they are all the same diameter um and no i wouldn't slot the holes unless you're using solid pins that's only for that's only for solid pins so don't slot the holes and uh to answer your other question those tapered reamers yeah you can get the expensive one from i think Stuart mcdonald sells one for like 85 dollars gee whiz yeah it's a tapered five degree reamer okay you could also go down to ace hardware and buy one for about seven dollars and it's the, it's pretty much exactly the same thing in fact i've seen them on ebay uh for about seven or eight dollars and they look to me they look nicer than the stumac ones the stumac one has an unfinished wood handle and it doesn't look that good i can tell right now that stumac isn't going to advertise with us anytime soon uh anyhow no don't buy the 86 dollar one Okay. All you need is a five-degree tapered reamer, and you can pick one up for less than $10. Cool. Yeah. Um, just don't overdo it. When you go to install those, just a little bit at a time is the way to go, because once you overshoot it, then you're really toast. Yeah. Okay. Tapered reamer. Well, that was from Jim, and we thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Hey, Eric and Melissa. My 10-year-old son is a good guitar player and a talented artist. He loves making things and has decided that he wants to build his own Telecaster-style guitar. He figures out all kinds of different projects for himself and usually does a great job working them through, often totally on his own. Sometimes he gets in over his head, though, and this feels like it could become one of those times. He wants to build it totally from scratch, design his own body shape, cut it himself, etc. I think that's a bit beyond us at this point, as we don't have all the tools and equipment we'd need for that. And I haven't done much guitar work beyond pretty simple setup stuff on our acoustics and electrics. As an alternative to a complete DIY, I showed him a Stumac Tele build kit. He wasn't too excited about the kit idea. He thought it sounded boring compared to, compared to designing everything himself. I like your, your kid. Yeah, he sounds awesome. So my question is, do you have any suggestions as to how a kid might approach putting together his own electric guitar in a way that feel in a way that feels more organic and creative than a prefab kit, but that also doesn't require a fully equipped guitar engineer workshop? Many thanks for your podcast. I discovered a few weeks ago and I've been working my way through my way quickly through the back episodes. I love what you guys do. All the best, Josh in Denver. Thanks, Josh. Uh, it's hard for me to say. I, you know, it takes a lot of special tools that you, you know, if you don't have access to, that's going to be hard to make a guitar from totally from scratch. At the least, you need a router, you need a bandsaw, you need a lot of things. Um, so, without those special tools, I don't know how you're going to do it. Um, here's an idea: make a Dan Electro style guitar in any shape he wants, right? Right. All a Dan Electro so Dan Electro construction is masonite on a pine or poplar frame. So you can make the frame and put a masonite top and a back on it. 
And that's a lot easier to work with than solid pieces of wood. Right. You know, that could be done. And then maybe buy a, uh, just buy a prefab neck. So make the body. Buy a pre-fretted prefab neck. Yeah. That, yeah. Maybe that's some a way to go. That That might be... That might be, I don't know, if he doesn't want to do that either, then, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? He might find a way to make it happen, but um, there's so much information out there now that he he might be able to do something. Yeah. Uh, Are there real major complications in, uh, what is it called, scaling, scale length? Well, if you're going to do something Yeah, you have to get it precise. Yeah. Is there, is, like, calculations? Like, if you have a certain length of neck, you have to have a certain distance to the bridge? Or how does that work? Yeah, it, it's based on, so, um, from the nut to the 12th fret, it uh-huh. has to be the same distance as the 12th fret to the bridge. Oh, okay. Plus a little bit extra for compensation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's interesting. Yes, it is. Uh, best of luck there, Josh, and your son. And good job supporting your kid and, and I know letting him do his own creative thing. I think that's awesome. It is awesome. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Love the podcast and never miss an episode. Thanks for continuing to do it. So I'm looking for suggestions to give me a more balanced tone on my 1966 Gibson 335. The issue is that the unwound strings are really bright and dominant compared to the wound strings when I play rhythm. I've tried different string brands and I've tried to lower the pickups on the treble side, but neither change things much. It's a lot less noticeable with new strings, but it comes back after a week or so of playing. Would changing out the original nylon saddles or nut material to something else help? Or is it just the way the mid-60s humbuckers on the 335 sound? I mostly play telly, so it may come down more to the player than the guitar. Thanks, Rob from Seattle. Thanks, Rob. I am a little bit of at a loss on this question here. It's a mystery. Really? Well, yeah, because... Obviously, it's just that one guitar. It's not happening on his tellies. Right. And he's already experimented with the things that I would recommend experimenting with. Pickup height, different strings. Uh, The only thing I'm wondering is if... Do you use uh, pure nickel strings? Because in my experience, the, uh, the wound strings tend to be a little bit quieter. Than, uh, than the steel core, nickel nickel wrapped oh. strings. So that might be even if you're switching brands around. If you're just using a pure nickel string, that might be it. But outside of that, I I don't know. I've never seen it where I mean, you say you've experimented with string with pickup height. Um, that should cure it. My gosh. I've never seen a situation where if the treble strings are too loud, you back away the treble side of the pickup and that fixes it. I mean, you know, what? Right. it's really that simple. I can't imagine, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, what, have you gone far enough? I, I just can't imagine why you're still having this problem. I, really, I'm flummoxed. I don't know, Rob. I'm so sorry. Hi, Eric and Melissa. A quick add-on to the roasting discussion in the past couple of podcasts. 
do not trust your oven. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's in all caps, people. The actual temperature inside the ovens vary by significant deal compared to what is shown on the dial. Yeah. I would therefore recommend that anyone attempting to heat treat wood at home first do a temperature check. This can be done by buying a decent oven thermometer, then comparing the selected temperature with the actually achieved temperature, trying that at different settings, and recording the findings for future reference. By the way, this also helps with cooking and baking. Keep up the good work, Axel. Thanks, Axel. That's a great point and something that uh, I, I I knew but didn't didn't we, uh, I, I neglected to mention. But right. yeah, we experienced that on our own oven. I think our own oven runs pretty hot. It runs a lot hotter than. Does it? You think? Yeah, probably twenty degrees or so. We need to put a thermometer in there and see. My thermometer is the turkey I put in there. It cooks faster than it should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything does, except the banana bread I made the other day. It, it was raw in the middle. Yeah, it was raw in the middle. I blame but you. Still delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Eric and Melissa. I've been thinking about removing the finish from the back of my Telecaster neck. Is this something that you do on your builds? Nope. If so, do you seal it? I've heard that using thinned out shellac can keep the wood balanced while keeping a fast, comfortable feel. Cheers, Rylan. Yeah, I like the feel of shellac. Uh, it's, it tends to be a little less, you know, sticky. Sometimes lacquer gets gummy and sticky on your hand. But, um, yeah, I, a lot of people ask me to remove the paint from the back of their neck and I really, I just don't recommend it. It's just not a good idea. You don't want raw wood there. Right. It's just not a good idea. You know, it, it opens it up to moisture and, and, and warping. Uh, anyway, yeah, shellac is a good is a good sealer for that. If you, it, a, a lot of people, I can, I tell them to uh, just rough up the finish, and that helps. Is that what? How do you do your own guitars? Well, I just I leave them painted. I mean, they're. It's just lacquer, though. Yeah, it's you, lacquer. Absolutely lacquer. You don't do anything lacquer. to it to. to no, make I it. polish it. Oh. Yeah, I use a. Well, I have found a brand of lacquer that I really like, that I only use on the neck. I, I use a different brand on the neck than I use on the body. Oh. Yeah, did you know that? No. You're so fancy. No, Look at nobody you. Nobody does. Apparently, I was the only one that knew that until just now. Because <laughs> you're the only other person that would know. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I use a different brand of lacquer on necks than I do on bodies. And the reason I use this lacquer on the necks is that I like the way it feels. It doesn't get sticky. It has a nice, it just gets rock hard, and it just, it just, it's a, it's a really nice feeling lacquer. Anyway. Don't um, mention the name, it's proprietary. Well, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. But, um, shellac has a similar feel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a good option. Shall we take a, uh, a commercial break? Yeah, sounds Alrighty, good. Alrighty, we'll be right back. As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. 
Visit melcoleather.com to seek examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email melcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O leather.com. here from Emerald City Guitars, located in the heart of historic Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle, Washington. We are one of the world's premier vintage guitar shops going strong for over 22 years. Specializing in the most rare, the funkiest, and most collectible vintage and pre-owned electric guitars, acoustic guitars, amplifiers, and more. We cater to anyone and everyone from the guy next door to collectors and famous rock stars. Not only do we pay top dollar for used gear, we also offer trade-ins and consignment. We also have in-house repair and offer free appraisals. We have a variety of social media accounts that we post our goods daily. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at EC Guitars. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and see our daily episodes of the featured Guitar Pick of the Day and Reality of Emerald City Guitars shows. Give us a call to chat in person at 206-382-0231 and visit our online store at www.emeraldcityguitars.com. some otherwise tempting Chinese guitars, acoustics, and electrics with thick, plasticky, clear top coats on them. I've seen one acoustic with the goop and sunburst finish removed and presumably sounding way better. How easy or feasible would it be to remove and replace the heavy finish on a guitar? Would it be worth the effort? That's from Nat. My buddy Nat lives down the street. Yep, he's our friend. I don't think it's worth it. And here's why. Have you ever tried to remove the paint from a guitar, especially thick poly paint? I have not, personally. No. Well, it's just about insurmountable. Is it just, just it's get not go- fun? Gooey and nasty. Well, is it like stripping the paint off of a piece of furniture? It's okay. So there's lacquer paint, which softens up pretty easily with paint stripper. Okay. There's poly paint, which is basically like. It's encased in hardened, cure UV cured, thick plastic that does not strip off well. It's not worth it. It just makes my head hurt even thinking about doing that. We're talking about two and three hundred dollar guitars here, I assume. And uh, you really want to put that much work into it? Yeah. Just buy a little bit nicer guitar and don't and skip all the work. Here's an idea. Buy an old fifties uh, or sixties K archtop. Yeah, You're... I'm just I'm giving that a hard time because he just bought one of those. Oh, he just bought one of those on shopgoodwill.com. You ever go to shopgoodwill.com? Yes. They have gr- good deals on guitars sometimes. Sometimes I shouldn't tell you that because you know now now yeah. I've got a bunch of competition. They... I buy guitars there from time to time. Shopgoodwill.com. It's great. They also have good deals on boots and I, clothes. I do look for cowboy boots on there, too. They sometimes have, like, silver lots of jewelry, yeah. you know? It's pretty awesome. Anyway. Yeah, I don't think removing 
the finish on cheap Chinese guitars is worth the effort. That's my opinion because you're still left with a cheap Chinese guitar, but just now it just looks like crap. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Nat. Hey, Eric, I love the podcast. I started listening just this week and I've already learned a lot. I'm a guitar engineer. I like that. I like that too. That's a good title. I've thought about title. that. Yeah, I've thought about that. There's different kinds of engineers though. Yeah, like civil engineers. You could be a guitar engineer. Right, but I'm talking about like there's a guy that drives a train. <laughs> there's an audio engineer. Is that that's different? With it, the guy that drives the train has a special hat. Well, you have engineer a special hat. hat too. No. Anyway, I'm a guitar engineer at a shop called Rebel Music in the small town of Oxford, Mississippi. I just had a question about locking down the floating tremolo block on a Strat. What do you do? Do you prefer to shim the block so it doesn't move? I've seen some people just add more springs and crank it down. Thanks again for your insight, Tyler. Tyler, there's uh, yeah two schools of thought on that. Some people feel that putting a wood block in there um, enhances the uh, the tone and the sustain of the guitar. I suppose that's possible. I, you know, it's one of those things where it's it's like, are you really going to notice it? Are you are you really going to pick up two identical strats, one with a block and one with the springs tightened up? And you're going to be able to tell me from from listening to it which one is which. I don't think so. So to me, I don't think it makes a big difference. For some reason, um, you know, people talk about blocking the tremolo. And uh, it just became this thing where you, you, you stick a wood block in there. But tightening all the springs up effectively does the same thing. Uh, I do I do both, just depending on what a customer asks for. But on my own personal strats, I've never put a wood block in there. If I if I want to block the tram, I just tighten the springs up. That's what I do because it's easier than cutting a custom size wood block to stick in there. And to me, the outcome is the same. Hmm. Speaking of Mississippi, though. Yes. Tyler. I've been listening to a uh, an online radio station that's just down the street from you there in uh, Clarksdale. Okay. And uh, why, why are you looking at me like I'm going off on a tangent? You are going off on a tangent. It's my podcast. All right. Keep going. Uh, anyway, it's great. It's XRDS. Uh, XRDS.com. It's, it's in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and they're it's such a good... It's such a good stream. XRD at, like, Crossroads? Yes. Is that a Robert Johnson reference? Well, it's a blues reference. They're at the Crossroads. Oh they are literally broadcasting from the Crossroads. And I mention it because I wish someone would have mentioned it to me. I have this... I know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just filibustering my own podcast. You just bear with me. Kay. This is going to make a few listeners so happy. Like two. Go ahead. Let's hear it. I have a satellite radio, and it's really not intuitive to use. I, you know, you go to, you search for music, you go to genre, you go to blues, and then it says, oh, there's 67 blues streams. Which one would you like to listen to? Well, I don't know. So you try one. It sucks. You try the next one. It sucks. You try the next one. At the bottom of this list of 67 streams was XRDS because it starts with X. 
right? Right. They're better than 66 other streams, but it took me like two years to find them <laughs> because I listened to all these other blues streams. If you like blues, check out XRDS. And what makes them better than the other blues streams? They don't play a bunch of crap. I'm I, a bunch of blues, like B-L-O-O-Z with, you know, like... They don't play a bunch of fake blues. That's that's the difference. I'm telling you, this is a good station. I really like it. And they understand they don't play just blues. Here's a station that understands that Mose Allison, okay. Muddy Waters, okay. and Otis Redding belong on the same stream, belong on the same station. Wow. I'm telling you, it's great. And I, you think that I'm wasting time, but... There's a lot of listeners that are going li- to... This is a guitar podcast. There's blues fans that listen to this podcast. Yeah. And they're going to go, hot damn, I'm going to check out that that radio station. And it's good, I'm telling you. Their listenership is going to spike. They're going to have probably four new listeners. <laughs> probably four. Maybe. Five. I don't want to get excited, but maybe five. Okay, I'm so sorry. All Let's right. continue on. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for being the segue into that uh, tangent. I'm excited about the about that station. It's good. I'm so glad you are. Thanks. But anyway, thank you so much for the question, Tyler. Several months ago, I asked you about appraising and selling a 1941 Martin D28 for a friend's a friend whose father passed away and left it in his wake. Jay at Emerald City Guitars that you recommended was two seconds from flying into town to get it, but our local airport schedule would have meant that he only had two hours on the ground here. So she sent it to Jay in a box and packing that he had sent to her to sell on consignment and some pre-sale repairs. Jay had it fixed on his dime before the sale. Just to let you know, it was tagged at 65 k Someone made an offer for sixty, and my friend said, do it. Just wanted to thank you for the great referral. My guess is that everyone involved is happy now, especially get the, the guitar now that it can live in a place with some moisture in the air, not dry northern Arizona. Thanks again. Much appreciated, Peter. Thanks, Peter. I just wanted to include that in the podcast because it made me real happy. It's just a, just a happy story. Everybody was real happy yeah. by the end of that. Yeah, so when you find a Martin, a 1941 Martin D28 in your basement... There you go. Send it to Jay. They're good people, man. Emerald City Guitars. They really are. Of course, you should you should send it to me, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, yeah. No, well, they're, they're good people. And I do recommend, you know, because people ask me, they say, Eric, I have this valuable guitar. How do I sell it? Is that what they say? They do. And so you say, take it to Jay? The thing about a shop like... Emerald City Guitars is they have a worldwide clientele of repeat buyers and, uh, you know, household name, like, rock stars that they have in their Rolodex. And they know what all these people are looking for. So when they get a particular high-dollar rare guitar in, they can sell it usually pretty quick because they, they know people who are looking for that guitar. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. Thanks for the update, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I'm barely halfway through episode 53, and I already feel like this is the one just for me. 
I wrote to you earlier about combating neck dive. I appreciate the listener's suggestion. However, I am vegan, so a suede or leather strap is not a possibility for me. Mm-hmm. No judgment is just not something I will do. I may try some try a different non-leather strap, though, which non-leather, you could pretty much have any kind of strap and it would work, you know. Well, as long as it's yes. kind of roughish. Right, exactly. Anything that kind of has a little bit of friction against your shoulder would be great. And plus, non-leather is a lot cheaper. So yeah. that's a good thing. Uh, I live in Philadelphia, like the listener who called in suggesting the suede strap. Feel free to pass on my email address to him. I'd love to be in touch with other repair techs in the area. Uh, I also used to work as a repair tech at Sitar Genter. I had the... <laughs> <laughs> I had the exact same experience as the other listener. Great experience working on all kinds of instruments. No, really, I restrung more than one electric shovel. Great coworkers, <laughs> loyal customers, low pay, and corporate red tape of doom. I also struck out on my own and struggled to get a customer base. It is starting to pick up as I realize marketing is a constant process, yeah. not a one-time deal. I have a business card, websites, a Facebook page, and business listings on Google and Yelp. The Google listings have helped me some, but business has really started to pick up now that I post something on Facebook every day. Uh, yeah, social media is a really powerful tool. It is. You know, I've I've been doing Instagram, and uh, it was astonishing to me. I posted the same video on YouTube as I did on Instagram. The one on Instagram after a week has almost 2,000 views. The one on YouTube has, I think, 75 views. It's crazy. Yeah. and Instagram the, is big, man. Yeah. That's, I, I waited way too long to get into that. By the way, it's not me doing Eric's Instagram no, anymore. I finally, it's actually Eric. I finally actually took it over. Yeah. Also, I would say to this listener, don't feel bad about taking customers from your current employer. Yeah. That big box store doesn't care that much about you or the customer. They would pay you more and give you all the tools you need to do your job if they did. Once again, thanks for the excellent podcast. I really do learn something every episode. Cool. Matt. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it, man. You know, that's probably true and something that I just didn't want to say. The big box store doesn't care that much about you or the customer. I, I don't know. It, it hurts me to say that, but it, well, it's but probably true, Matt. I'm sure their mission statement says they care about both you and the customer, but but in what reality, they're saying, what they're saying in dollars, right? It's the bottom line that they they care more about the bottom line than they do about you, which I understand because they're a business; they have to, right? Okay, but uh, that's just who you're dealing with when you're dealing with Guitar Center. Sorry. But thanks for all the tips, Matt. Eric and Melissa, I'm so happy to hear that you are so busy and doing well in Idaho. Thanks. I wanted to mention two things before my question. I love Melissa's fascination with Australia. Every time someone writes in from Australia, she is so curious about this magical place halfway across the world. It's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been, but I've heard the trade-off for beautiful sunny weather most of the year is bugs and snakes. I've heard the bugs and snakes in Australia are off the charts, like they are huge and everywhere. Are you still excited? Perhaps one of the Australian listeners can correct me if I'm wrong. We do seem to have a lot of Australian listeners. I think we just have one guy that sends us a bunch of emails. His name's Jim. Thanks, Jim. Uh, And I... 
I have a fascination with Australia because I've never been there. And it's, it's like a, it's like a foreign America to me. Like they Mm. speak English there. It's like, it's kind of the same culture sort of, but it's on the other hemisphere and the opposite of us Mm -hmm. and their toilet swirls backwards. No, that's New Zealanders that you're thinking of. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, that's why it's uh, interesting to me. Uh, Also, whenever I am proofreading the question I am about to submit to the Fret Files, I hear Melissa's voice in my head. Like how it would sound if she was reading it. Melissa is in my head. (laughs) You know, it's funny that because I don't think of myself as Melissa. In fact, when people call me Melissa, it's weird. So. Mm. I, deep. I don't even think of myself as M- Melissa well, in my head. We're getting Freudian now. Yeah. What do you, what do you, who do you think of yourself as, uh, if I may ask? <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. Well, you might want to think about I don't that. I have a name for myself. I God. <laughs> Question for Eric. When you assemble a T or S style guitar with a pre-made neck, all parts warmeth USACG or whatever... How much fret dressing do you usually need to do? Please walk us through the steps, leveling, crowning, and dressing and such. What are your go-to tools, especially for leveling? Is it usually a light procedure or do you go deep? Please share your experience and any advice. Thanks. Love you too. Zach and... Oh, it's from Zach. Yeah. It's from Zach in our old town of Burien. Thank you, Zach. Uh, I normally don't have to do... Hardly any leveling. You know, I see people say online, if you use an all-parts neck, or if you use a USA custom guitars neck, or if you use a warmth neck, you're going to have to do some fret leveling. And I find that uh, they're actually pretty good, as long as they've, as long as they've been stable. You know, not submitted to uh, extremes in temperature or humidity. Uh, I find them to be pretty stable and uh, pretty level. They're good at what they do, those companies. The ones, the, there's some cheaper ones like uh, Mighty Might and other, I can't think of who, but sorry, Mighty Might. <laughs> uh, the, the frets aren't quite as good, but you know, I mean, you, you get what you pay for, like USA Custom Guitars. Uh, oh. I mean, they're... Next, their necks are like three hundred bucks. I mean, you're you're getting a quality yeah. neck there. Um, if you're paying eighty nine dollars for a neck, you're going to be doing some leveling, and uh, generally, you know, it's the same as you would do on any fret level. Long flat file. Level the surfaces of the frets till they're all even. You know, right. And then use a crowning file to put a round top back in each fret. And then you sand them and polish them. So, yeah. So only if but it a, needs it. Only if it needs it. And typically on the good quality ones, they don't need it. That's what I've seen. Cool. Yeah. Well, good to hear, good to hear from you, Zach. What effect can temperature have on electric guitars? For example, if I leave my SG in the car overnight in freezing temps, is that bad? Or if I leave my SG in the car all day in the high 90s? Thanks again for all that you and Melissa do. Cheers, Corey. Corey, wh- why are, why do you want to do that? <laughs> You're going to ruin your guitar, man. If I leave my kids in a hot car, oh. is, th- is that going to be a problem? 
Can you not talk about stuff like that? Uh, Corey, it's a problem. Don't leave your, don't, don't leave your SG in the car all day in the high 90s. Uh, what effect can temperature have on electric guitars? So, um, a lot of different things can happen, but mostly we're talking about warping of the neck. And that's a, that's a big problem. Your neck is going to warp. You're going to have the finish can start to get affected. You'll have finish issues. Uh, if it gets hot enough, um, your pickups can be affected because they're, they're dipped in wax that the, the melting point is, I don't know, something like, you know, 102 degrees or something like that. Uh, 115. I don't yeah. know. I don't know the exact melting point, but, um, yeah, you, you don't do it. That's what I say. Okay. <laughs> it's a big problem. It can be a big problem. So, do you like the show? Y- yes. Well, you like it because you're on it. I love the show. Do you ever listen to the show? I, I listen to it every week. We don't do a show every week. Well, I, we used to. If you like the show, tell a friend, share it on Facebook, whatever kind of social media platform you use. If you have a moment, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. A lot of you have done that. I really do appreciate it. It helps us to reach more people, and that helps us get more and better questions, and it just makes the show better. So, the other thing to do is participate. We really do need your participation. I'm just about caught up with questions, so send in your questions or comments. Go to ericdaw.com, click the contact link, submit your question there. The other way to do it is to call... 757-774-8482 You can call or text that number 757-774-8482 Thank you so much for listening We'll talk to you next month Good night Good night